0: The following is a production of SAK Digital Ventures. Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, a place where you can sit back, relax, smoke a cigar, and talk about Chicago sports. Now, Here's your host, Steve Cass.
1: Welcome to Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode 42. The episode name Dusk and hopefully a new dawn. Yes, you could only imagine what we're going to talk about. You're at the best place for cigars and Chicago sports. Let me set the scene. We are at The Place, 5236 Main Street in Downers Grove, Illinois. That's The Place. The Place is a cigar lounge, despite the creative name. 5236 Main Street, Downers Grove in Illinois. It's a great place to hang out, to relax, to smoke a cigar, to watch a game, to talk about politics, to argue about politics, to talk about sports. Whatever you may want, we have it at the place, 5236 Main Street. You can follow us on Twitter, or as more commonly known now, or maybe less commonly known, X, at Cigars and Sports. That's follow us on X, I can't believe I'm saying that, at Cigars and Sports. And you can get this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts, but you know that because you're listening to it, so it would seem that that would have to be the case So I am smoking a LaFleur Dominicana El Jaco Perfecto number 2. And as always, I would like to introduce my wonderful, esteemed colleague, co-host, and friend, Phil Sullivan. Phil, how are you? What's going on? How are you feeling? What are you smoking? What's going on?
0: All good, Steve. Waiting for uh, football season. So, favorite time of year, let's say, coming up. But uh, no, all good. Getting ready for a nice long holiday weekend. Looks like we're going to get a little of that heat we got last week, which was kind of brutal in Chicagoland. But uh, everything's good. I'm trying a C-A-O Flathead. Seems like a few of the guys at the cigar place have been smoking those. I thought I'd give them a try. Not a bad cigar on the Maduro end. A little bit more than I usually take on, but I uh, must be smoking too many cigars because I seem to enjoy it. and It's going down smooth. So. Other than that, all good. Uh, What do we got to talk about, Steve? Nothing exciting going on in local sports that I know. Yeah, so we've
1: got some stuff. You know, obviously, we're going to have to start out with the White Sox just because, you know, you start a story and you've got to finish it. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Bears. By the way, the White Sox are the dusk, the Bears are the dawn, in case you didn't catch up on that. I think also that it's valid. We're gonna have to talk about the Cubs for a couple of minutes, considering they're in a very exciting uh, situation. By the way, breaking White Sox news, they just beat the Orioles 10 to five. Isn't that amazing? I think they're on their way to the playoffs because if they go 37 and 0, they still have a shot of making it. So, uh, you know, let's be optimistic about that. Just kidding. Phil, since we last had an episode, which, in fairness, has been you know two and a half weeks or so, and this is amazing so since we last had an episode, Kenyon Middleton, who was traded to the Yankees, said the culture was terrible on the Chicago White Sox, and that there were no rules shortly thereafter, Kenny Williams, the v p of baseball operations, and Rick Hahn, the general manager, got fired. We then have had and still have a rumor that Chris Getz is going to be the single baseball decision maker in the organization. It has not been announced yet, but amazingly, we have a guy from the worst organization in baseball who's going to get promoted to be the single decision maker by the way, oh yeah, Tony LaRusa who we found out, by the way, has had cancer for a year, I hope he's well, the former manager, and who looks very similar on a daily basis to Joe Biden, if I must say more, um, was hired as a consultant. The record dropped to 28 games under 500. They began talking about the fact that they want a new stadium or they're potentially going to move to Nashville. And then, oh yeah, one last thing, Two people got shot in the ballpark. We then had a five-day investigation to find out what it was. And as we all expected, yes, this is a true story. A woman hid a small gun in her blubber in her body, walked into the ballpen, or excuse me, walked into the ballpark, got up to clap, and the gun, which was stuck in her fat roll, accidentally went off, shot the lady next to her in the leg. That's pretty normal. I mean that, that happens. Oh, and then they didn't stop the game in any way, shape or form after a shooting in the bullpen in an active crime scene, and they canceled the Tone Loke vanilla ice concert saying that it was a technical problem. That happened. That happened.
0: Well, you know, this mess with the White Sox, if you tried to write a mystery or a fictional novel, you couldn't, your book wouldn't sell because they would just say that stuff just can't happen. The reader couldn't follow it thinking that maybe it's true. In only the Chicago way, you get a shooting in a ballpark, you get the police involved, Chicago politics has gotten involved. Uh, The Chicago Teachers Union is involved. You know, only in the Chicago way can you have all that happen. In case some of our listeners didn't know some more of the details, the initial report was that the shooting was from bullets that were fired seven blocks away. So two people got shot. They actually found a third bullet in, in a woman's hat. She found it in her hat, in the brim of her hat. So that means somebody seven blocks away fired three rounds off that literally traveled into Sox Park and landed within a couple feet of each other, all three shots. So they wanted us to believe that scenario to begin with. Yeah, the, the, the exact description was the gun was hidden in the folds of her belly fat. So, like I said, you, you know how she got that in past security, how it didn't go off with the metal detectors, yeah, it's, it's just bizarre. And like you said, in the last two weeks, with the White Sox, the decisions they make, that Chris Getz thing just blows my mind. Not only has he worked for one of the worst teams in baseball, he runs one of the worst minor leagues in baseball. So, yeah, it can't get no but more bizarre. And then the 87-year-old owner wants to leverage or play poker with the politicians, the fans, and the taxpayers in Chicagoland to uh, try to come up with a new stadium idea because his lease is going to be up in six years, which makes sense to try to plan a little bit ahead. If you want to build a ballpark, it's going to take that long. But, yeah, I, with the one of the worst teams in baseball, you want to leverage the taxpayers again, which he did in 1991. I don't think he's going to pull it off again. Steve, what's your gut feeling on what the White Sox are going to do in the next couple of years or moving forward after Mr. Reinsdorf? because there will be an after eventually.
1: Yeah, I mean, my guess would be that from now until the end of Reinsdorf's tenure, we're going to hear about this angling to get a new ballpark. Obviously, there was a story that there are three potential sites that they would like to move to, one being in the West Loop near the United Center, which I guess there's a lot of parking lots and stuff out there, so maybe there's a space The other one being Arlington Heights, where it would be on the Bears property in a different facility. So in other words, you would sort of turn it into this sports complex, which to me, that seems a bit bizarre. It also somewhat violates the uh, sort of the whole South side thing. You would in effect have the North side city team and then the North side suburbs team. So I'm not, I'm not sure about that, but you know, I don't know. And then the other site, which frankly, I do find to be intriguing, even though for me, it would make it much more difficult to get there is soldier field. I don't know how the hell you stick a baseball stadium inside the National Historic Landmark. Maybe you pull the pull the UFO out of there and build a baseball UFO. I'm not sure. But if I were to say what's going to happen is that they'll get a stadium deal in place, which obviously will drastically increase the value of the franchise, and then they will sell the team. I think we know that the plan is upon the expiration of Jerry Reinsdorf to sell the team. So, if you were to ask me, I just think they're going to figure out a way to get a to get a stadium deal in place. The other question is the Nashville thing which you mentioned. Do I think it's realistic they're going to move to Nashville? One, I have no idea anything could happen. It's possible, but I tend to think not. And the reason that I tend to think not is that it's pretty clear that baseball would like to figure out first, they figured out the Oakland thing. They're moving to Las Vegas. Then they need to figure out this Tampa Bay thing. They're not sustainable in that ballpark in St. Pete. And they've had no luck whatsoever getting funding to build a new ballpark there. Even though I think that if they built a ballpark somewhere in Tampa and they built a nice ballpark, knowing what I know about that area, I think they could do really well. But I think that once they figure that out, then there's going to be two expansion teams, and one of those expansion teams, absolutely no-brainer, will be in Nashville. It's, it's obvious that that's a perfect place for it, because it's clear that baseball wants to go to this 32-team model where you can then rearrange everything. You can do the NFL thing where you've got eight four team divisions you can geographically put them together so for example you might have a division that has White Sox, Cubs, Brewers you know and then maybe Cardinals or Detroit you know depending on you know what that looks like but probably those three together you could have Mets Yankees Phillies and Boston in one division which would be amazing you know so there's a lot of stuff that you could do if you were able to rearrange everything and have 32 teams so to go back to your original question which amazingly I remember I do believe that They will somehow stay in Chicago. There obviously is the, you know, the option of building a ballpark, you know, where the old ballpark was in the stadium, you know, sort of doing, you know, doing the exact same thing in reverse where the old Comiskey Park was. But I tend to think they're going to find a way to get a ballpark and stay. I just don't see them moving, although I think it's a possibility. What, you know, based on those options, what do you think?
0: Yeah, you know, Steve, it's it's but dealing with Reinsdorf, I don't know where it's going to go. The thought of them going into, you mentioned about going into Soldier's Field, that's never going to work. It doesn't work hardly as a football stadium. You're never going to stick a baseball stadium into that Martian ship-looking debacle they built there. You know, there was talk about the Bears even possibly going to guaranteed rate and developing all that land around it. That was kind of an intriguing thing. I just heard once, I didn't see much more in print about it. But, you know, as far as selling the team, you know, Reinsdorf's on record telling his two sons when I die to sell the team. Um, You know, maybe he ought to think about it soon. You know, people are saying he's team's worth $2.5 billion. It might be time uh, from your $19 million investment from 32 years ago. It's not a bad return. Only I did see something very intriguing the other day. Uh, His $19 million over 32 years, he would have got the same return. If he have put it in the S&P 500 and would have made Sox fans not as frustrated for the last 32 years. But, I, you know, I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, his moves are bizarre from when he hired La Russa a few years ago to, you know, hanging on to Kenny Williams and Han for as many years of their failures when most owners would have made a change of direction a long time ago. He's a bizarre character to try to figure out. So uh, I'm probably not going to raise much brain power trying to figure it out hopefully ride it out till the poor guy uh, meets his demise which I don't hope on him but um, I hope he goes away by selling the team I hope he just gives somebody else a shot it's so
1: and from a baseball standpoint it's so hard to watch and I am definitely trying to watch I mean I had the thing on in the background today they beat Baltimore 10 to 5 I'm trying to I'm trying to watch some of these new guys. I'm trying to watch Lenin Sosa, who's been hot trying to watch, uh, you know, the catcher, Corey Lee, Oscar Colas. And I'm trying to like these guys or whatever, but it's just such a disaster. And the pitching is such a disaster. And, Even Cease and Kopak, who we would have hoped would have been great, have both been absolutely just horrendous. And Cease was really bad again today, even though they won. So from a baseball standpoint, it's really really interesting. So let me ask you this question. Um, You probably know, and I haven't seen any update on it, that the Angels waived, ironically, six players yesterday, including Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez. Do you want Giolito back?
0: Uh, No, I think Giolito's done. I think Giolito's turned into the Giolito that he was three, four years ago. Uh, I think he had a little burst of success there, but I think his age and his total body of work, no, I wouldn't want him back. I mean, there was talk, you know, is a a contender like the Cubs or somebody going to grab Giolito? Yeah, I I just think his his best pitching days are behind him. Yeah, I mean,
1: that's fair. I, I would... I wouldn't go out of my way, but I might claim him because it doesn't really cost you anything. And then if he was going to come back on a one-year deal somewhere, which is probably what he's going to have to do based on the year that he had and also based on the fact that, I mean, the guy had a 6-plus ERA with the Angels. You know, that did not work out and does not bode well for him from a future contract situation. So if he wanted to do something like Rodon did a couple of years ago, where, you know, he comes back and, you know, signs for, you know, uh, three or four or five million and you give him a shot next year or whatever. I'd be fine with him doing that, particularly based on where the team is right now. But the whole thing is such a disaster that it's really hard to even talk about baseball. You know, you're just talking about what a freaking disaster that the thing is. Although I will say, and we didn't get an opportunity to talk about this during the 13 hours of optimism after Kenny and Rick were uh, relieved of their duties, which is that I was pretty surprised that they made that move. And I don't think it was a coincidence. If you wonder why did they just do it randomly midweek? I don't think it was a coincidence that the season ticket holder invoice was going out the next day, um, which is uh, kind of an interesting deal. We just have to see what happens. But, hey, let me ask you this. Let's pivot away from the White Sox for a minute so the Cubs won again today. They won. They won two out of three against Milwaukee this week. Big series. They're now only three games out of the division and you know a game up in the uh, in the wild card. So hey, man, what do you think about the Cubs situation?
0: Well, I think they uh, they're they're playing a little bit over the tips of their skis. I, on the other hand, wholeheartedly root for the Chicago Cubs to fail. Uh, it makes my day. It makes me feel good. Yeah, on that aspect of it. Uh, I could care less how the Cubs do. But, I, you know, the Sox this year are so bad on every level that I have just lost interest in tracking baseball in August, which I have never done before. I'm, I'm that bad. But I'll pick it up probably in a couple more weeks because uh, there's not much I like better than watching playoff baseball. So I will pick up and uh, start studying these other teams see where they're at, start following them the last few weeks of the season, follow some of these wild card possibility teams, who gets in, who doesn't get in. Can the Cubs get in? Yes, the Cubs can get in. Do I think they'll have a run, in, a long run in the playoffs? I do not. There are just way too many talent, teams way more talented than the Cubs out there. So, I, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think the Cubs are uh, going to have a long run, but like I said, I uh, I typically will root for the Cubs to fail. You know, there's not too many teams I do do that for, but I almost said to my uh, kids last week after the Sox debacle started happening that uh, if I did anything, I would switch to become a Milwaukee Brewers fan, which would give me reason to watch indoor climate-controlled baseball. It wouldn't be that much longer of a drive to the ballpark than it takes to get to guaranteed rating home. And uh, it will give me another reason to hate the Cubs and cheer against them. So who knows what happens.
1: But, you know, there's climate change and there's no air conditioning in that ballpark in Milwaukee when the roof is closed. So, you know, I don't think I'd be interested in that. But we would have to figure it out if the White Sox move. I think there's a lot of interesting stories in, in baseball this year. You know, you take a look at this Seattle thing, which is amazing. Um, they've just absolutely been on fire. And, you know, it's it's sort of sneaky because they do have a 107 run differential and you know now they're tied for first you know in the al west and you know that's really interesting between them houston and uh in texas you know you got the national league wild card where you've got um you you have four teams um within about two and a half games the cubs san francisco arizona um cincinnati and then you go back only one more game and you have miami so i think there's interesting stories the fact that both the mets and the yankees are in last place you know, you've got, I think, some some very dominant teams, um, including the Dodgers and the Braves, certainly, who are the best teams in baseball. At least they certainly have been during the regular season, and they appear to be. You know, the Orioles and the, uh, you know, the American League East have been an incredible story. So I think there's some really good stories. But, um, Phil, why don't we spend a couple minutes talking about the Bears?
0: Well, my initial thoughts are it's football season, which is awesome. So I love this time of year. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Bears, a um, couple interesting facts when they uh, cut down to the 53-man roster. And I will, uh, because I had a quite busy day today, uh, I will claim ignorance to if anybody was picked up on final waivers today, uh, which I'm sure you would know that. But, uh, you know, I thought the most interesting thing that came out of it was um, this quarterback, this undrafted uh, Division two quarterback, Tyson Bagdon. You know, basically being chosen as their number two quarterback. You know, they released P.J. Walker. And, uh, you know, of course, Peterman didn't make it. And it's interesting how the Bears only have two quarterbacks. There was some talk they'd be strongly looking for a, uh, maybe a slightly washed up veteran to bring him into the fold to help these guys along. You know, if our main guy goes down, you know, you got a Division two quarterback stepping in there, and he though he looked... He looked pretty good in preseason. He looked very poised. Uh, but it's a big game changer once the regular season starts and the type of defenses he'd see and the pressure he's gonna see. But very intriguing that they kept as a number two quarterback in undrafted division two quarterback. Yeah, so
1: Tyson Bajan, the guy looked amazing in the uh you know, in the preseason. I know it's the preseason but the guy was so poised. He gets the ball out quickly. Seems to have really good pocket presence. You know, really good footwork. Fundamentally, appeared to be really good. And I do find it amazing the fact that he is the backup because backup quarterback is not a developmental position. You generally want a veteran, a guy that you can put in there, has experience and can hopefully, you know, manage a game and and you know get you a win or at least not lose a game. So the fact that Tyson Badgett is the back- Backup is kind of amazing to me. The other thing is, too, is that you mentioned the waiver claims and the Bears have an interesting spot where for the first three weeks here of waivers, they're at the top of the list. And they today claim defensive lineman Khalid, um, Khalid Kareem from the Colts and uh, defensive back. Dell Johnson from the Rams, and this this Khalid Kareem um, has has been in 27 NFL games. You um, know, has registered uh, 29 tackles and had a you know had a sack and had three sacks in the preseason. Obviously, you know they need uh you know they need some pass rush, so you know we'll be fine with that. I was also surprised because of the waiver situation. I would have thought that maybe P.J. Walker. Was just a failure, meaning that I think they would have kept P.J. Walker if he played well, even if they still kept Tyson Badgett. So my question is: I thought they were going to bring in a veteran backup. Frankly, I don't. Maybe I'm crazy, and I probably am. I don't care that they didn't because I want an opportunity to see Tyson Badgett if that if that opportunity arises. But I was surprised they didn't pick up you know, a, a guy like Bailey Zappi, you know, from New England that got waived or whatever, because they could have had anyone they wanted. Um, and they didn't pick up a quarterback at least yet. You know, certainly they'll maybe bring Peterman back to the practice squad or whatever the case may be. But I did think that that was, I think that was really interesting. So how do you feel going into the season right now?
0: Well, you know, one of the things that makes me feel not so good is, uh, you know, what our boy Justin Fields... And his development is largely in tune with his offensive line. And, you know, here we are starting out with Trevor Jenkins, starting the season out on the IRC. So you've lost your You know, you got your center is hurt. Uh, I believe Whitehair is hurt right now. I think even their backup center is hurt. So you got to, uh, I think Doug, uh, a guy that made the team, Doug Kramer, would basically be your third string center. That doesn't make me feel too good if that's how you're starting out. And, you know, the Bears' offensive line, I recently saw a ranking. Pretty much everybody in the division has an offensive line ranked going into the season better than the Bears. Uh, I believe Detroit's ranked number two. So, you know, that says a lot to me. So when you got this Justin Fields, he's in his third year, and this is the year to prove himself. Well, he better have an offensive line to help him do that. And right now, it's, it's questionable. So the opening day, national TV, Green Bay Packers at home. Jordan Love has looked uh, phenomenal in preseason, by the way. He played in all the games. His coach did not decide to hold him out. So it's going to be interesting. If the Bears get trounced by the Packers in that opening game, that's going to set the tone for the season, in my opinion, and it's not going to be a good one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I hear you, but I'm also not willing to somehow assume that they are going to get trounced. I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying. The good news is, is that Iberflus today led the media to believe that the offensive line is going to be 100% healthy for week one, with the exception of Tevin Jenkins, as you mentioned, who will be going on IR. So that means that he can still be brought back within the first eight weeks. But apparently, based on what guys who have uh, you know, been at House Hall are saying, um, he's got a hell of a limp, um, is in a boot, and he's going to be a while. So I would guess he's going to probably miss at least four to six weeks. And, you know, they did make a trade, got themselves another interior lineman who I think is going to be a starter right out of the gate. Apparently, Whitehair is going to be available to start at center. Clearly, the fact that they made that trade the day before cutdown day, and they didn't even wait knowing that they were going to have first choice of waivers, showed that either they really liked that guy a lot or that offensive line is really thin. So we certainly do not want any more injuries because we know that even if four of the start five starters start in the beginning of the year and you know at week 1 here and I and I think that would be just fine. That if those guys got hurt, it appears that we have some backup issues. Yeah, I mean, I am concerned about that, but it seems that generally speaking Although a lot of guys have been out during preseason, you know, and during training camp, it appears that they're going to at least get to week one with all or most of those guys healthy. I don't love the fact that, you know, they that a lot of these guys have not gotten a lot of reps. You know, guys like Quentin Nelson, the, the, uh, the edge rusher, and, you know, a number of other guys. But at least it appears that they're going to be generally pretty, you know, pretty healthy going into the year. Uh, but it is interesting how we're very optimistic in a couple episodes again when, you, when the schedule came out, and you asked me for a win-loss total, when you're actually facing a game and you know what the injury situation is and you see the fact that Justin Fields, frankly, has not looked great in the preseason, it's interesting how our optimism has dimmed a little bit, even though they still have not
0: played a game. Well, you know, everybody's optimism is a little different. This is a team that won three games last year. I still have not seen remotely superstar status in Justin Fields. I think this is the year that's either going to make him or break him and and show what he truly is. Uh, And until he breaks out of what I've seen in two years, uh, I'm not buying any hope that he's going to, you know, turn into a superstar this year. Uh, I don't think the Bears are going to win more than six games this year. I think they got a lot of, you, you know, they got, they kept a lot of rookies on defense. Be interesting to see how these safeties play and, how that folds out and you made a comment here about the problem with depth. I mean, just from what we started in the beginning, just look at quarterback, you know, your depth consists of a division two undrafted quarterback. That's your depth. Um, so, you know, there's some question marks certainly that worry me about the bears. I know there's a lot of excitement. They've got, you know, a great future. They should have a good future ahead. If the right management, the right coaching and the right drafting occurs, they got plenty of money and plenty of draft picks coming their way. But uh, let's see how this year plays out. But it's going to be it'll be certainly more fun to watch than last year. I gave up on the Bears as early as I gave up on the White Sox this year. So I hope that my fall doesn't get disappointed. Well, this and by the
1: way, I said uh, somehow I said Quentin Nelson or something. I meant Demarcus Walker, who is um, you know edge rusher who's not gotten a lot of reps. And I do agree with you. I'm not worried about depth at quarterback. One because I think that Tyson Bagent is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL. Kind of kidding, but you know I'm I am kidding.
0: But you gotta admit they yeah, have but, the, done. but it doesn't. I mean, but it doesn't they, matter. They, they, like I mean, no yeah, team,
1: right. no team is going to be competitive with their starting quarterback down. So that's not my concern. You know, my concern is offensive line depth. You know, my concern is you know whether they can stop the run and rush the quarterback. And if a couple guys you know go down on either the interior or exterior defensive line, are they going to be able to deal with that? You know, my concern is if uh, you know. Jalen Johnson and you know uh, you know another one of the safeties goes down. How are they going to deal with that i'm not as worried because bottom line is that in order for the bears to be good, fields is going to have to be healthy and he's going to have to be good and if he's not it's unlikely they're going to be good so that's sort of from my standpoint that's my that's my least concern. I certainly understand the you know I understand the issue. I also would say one more thing you know you talked about the p j Walker cut. I give them credit for the fact that they paid the guy, you know, I think, you know, $4 million, million guaranteed or something, and I think an old Bears regime probably would have just kept him around because they paid him, and, you know, they basically paid him $2.5 million to fail in training camp, so I'm glad they got, you know, they got rid of him. Um, you know, same thing with Travis Gibson, that even though they had to eat a little bit of money, they cut him, and they thought they had better edge options, so, you know, we'll see what happens, and, and again, they were the worst team in the NFL last year, and this thing was not going to be fixed in one season, in one off season. Hopefully, we'll be better. Hopefully, they can win seven, eight, nine, maybe ten games. You know, I don't know. But I, uh, one thing I agree with you on 100% is the fact that this opening game against Green Bay, which amazingly I'm going to go to the game, is going to set the tone for the season. No question.
0: It's certainly something to watch. The Bears happen to be on a lot of. Uh... I think I looked at their schedule. Seven or eight of their games are late games. And what I mean by late, either late Sundays, Sunday nights, Monday nights. So they've got a lot of exposure this year on national television. So it'll be interesting to see how they perform. And you know what? They could just as well come out of the shoot, you know, five and one. Who knows? Uh, I hope they do. It would be great to see. But I worry about that offensive line. I worry about... You know, just a few injuries at a few positions that they don't have much depth, and they definitely could leave Justin Fields uh, in some trouble to not maybe see no, the potential. We'll see. What I don't disagree,
1: those. Phil. That's uh, Cigars and Sports Chicago, episode forty-two. Thanks for showing up. Thanks to our producer Bear, and we will talk to everybody next time. And most of all, thanks for listening.
0: Adios. We'll see you next week. So my baby down by the river Who should have to come up soon for there.
1: Sweet blossom come on under the willow We can
0: have high times if you look back We can discover the wonders of nature
1: Rolling in the rushes down by the riverside